Throughout this series, I've lost track of the number of times I've quoted A.W. Tozer who said, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That's a profound thought. It's not the only thing that Tozer ever wrote. In fact, I found a quote from him this past week that said this, Lord, today I claim three words to take with me throughout this day. Here, now, and us. Thank you that I can claim these three and that it can change my life. Let me read that again so that it can sink in. In fact, let's, let's go into a spirit of understanding that this is actually a prayer. What, would, what if we actually prayed this? Lord, today I claim three words to take with me throughout this day, here, now, and us. Thank you that I can claim these and that it can change my life. So as we enter into the, the sacrament of this particular moment, I want to reinforce what A.W. Tozer has already said, that God is here. The presence of God is what drew us here. It inspires us. And I actually found somebody who could do so much better at expressing how important it is for us to grasp that God is here. And I would love to, you to hear her voice. Let's watch the screens together. He is here. In this room, in your heart, he is near, nearer than breath, heartbeat, nearer than you are to you, nearer than second chance or next opportunity, closer than tonight or yesterday. He is real, realer than touch, see, hear, smell, or taste, realer than reality. He is our reality, realer than joy, pain, sorrow, realer than the love of being in love. He is present like time, space, wind, silence, night. He is waiting like creation, like words on the tip of tongue, like songs that have yet to be sung. He is beauty, oranges, blues, every hue, every shade, sunset and sunrise. Whisper his name. He is holy, different, made human, became human, forgave human. He is spirit. He cannot be touched, explains like sweet seconds of prayers, like grandmother on knees, wood floor bare. He is son, distinctly three, distinctly one, the only one, the only wise, the only resurrector of lives. He is king. No earthly throne can house. No amount of elegant words can espouse. He is moments and voice, power of choice in word and deed, in fruit and seed, pierced side, nailed hands, nailed feet, innocent wounds that bleed. He is believe and trust. He is enough. He is all. He is call and purpose. Everything that we can sacrifice, he's worth it and more, much more. Our good deeds are mere pennies. We'll never even the score. He is behold and while he is who what when why how he puts on the show he's the one we come to see he is soul's cry and sinner's plea he is the epitome he's the one no one can light a candle to or come within a million foot pole of he is above he is a father's love he is maker of ways of earth and wind ancient of days has no fear have no fear god is here Yeah, what she said. God is here. God is now in this moment, in this space, intimately in this present time. And God is with us. With all, for all, pursuing all, convicting all, calling all. And I don't know about you, but there are times in my life when, when, when so much stuff just gets wrapped up inside of me when I think to try and contemplate about God. I mean, we've been doing this series called God Is for six months, and we haven't even scratched the surface. Do we understand that? 
And there's times when they, you start to write or you begin to contemplate all these things about God and it gets to a point where it just kind of reaches a fever, a fever pitch and it just like spills out over the top of you. And you haven't even had coffee yet. I mean, it just, it just starts shooting out. Well, we're going to try and get to that place today. I saw a moment like this just a week ago. I was out for a run and I was in the, out on my little five-mile circuit that I run around in Linden and I ran past a set of baseball diamonds that were created for little tiny people. And they were just wrapping up a game. It's the, the smallest kind of people. You know, their glove is as big as they are. The, the helmets wobble back and forth on the head as they run. And they're all in oversized t-shirts. And, and they were just having one of those moments where, where they had finished the game and, and the entire team was running the bases because they're trying to teach them which direction to run the bases because they're all directionally challenged and can run. And they were making a great big loop. And I was watching the Navy Blue team from Linden Youth Sports come around. And there was a little girl. She was the last one. And she was going all the way around the bases. And in Instead of sliding into home or just running across home base, she actually plopped both feet on the top of home base just as I was running by. And then she started to just, it just started popping out of her. I love, I love baseball and I love running and I love throwing and I love catching and I love my mom and I love my glove and I love my shoes and I love my coach and I love things and I love this diamond and I, lo- I love the snack. In her own kid way, she was living out a doxology. It's not a word that we hear thrown around outside of Bible. A doxology can occur anywhere in Scripture, but in its very simplest form, it's just an expression of unbridled praise. It just comes popping out of you. You can't contain it. It's a verbal explosion of praise and adoration about God that can't be contained. And this weekend, we're going to look at a doxology from Jude. Now, when I say Jude, most likely you don't make a connection between him being the half-brother of Jesus and the full brother of James. Okay, do the math. Same mom, different dad. Just, just, just figure that out, okay? But when I say Jude, you probably don't think Bible. In fact, if you're a little older, you think something completely different when I say the word Jude. So we're just going to get it out of our system. Ready? Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. Come on, people. Hey, Jude. Oh, there was awesome, okay? The young people were like, what just happened in church? <laughs> Ask an old person. They'll fill you in, okay? All right. So, but the Jude doxology comes from the end of the verses of this short little book, and it's like he can't control himself anymore, and he just pops into a place of unbridled praise. He said everything he wanted to in the book. It's a short book. You could read the entire book in about four minutes. It's often forgotten about because it's sandwiched right up against Revelation and everybody wants to get to the Revelation stuff. I'd encourage you to actually go back and read the entire thing. The main point of the book is to warn followers of Jesus about false teachers. It warns them, don't allow this false teaching that's pervading the church at the time to drag you into temptation. And Jude has so many exhortations for us. He encourages us to watch out for false teachers who teach false doctrine. What's amazing to me is this. The very false doctrine that Jude was arguing against in his book is still prevalent today. Back then it was called a Gnostic heresy. Today it's the ideology that says this. Your physical body and your soul are not connected. So you can do whatever you want to with your physical body. You can sleep with whoever you want. You can shoot into it whatever you want. You can abuse it any way you want to because it doesn't matter what you do to the outside package as long as your soul is intact. Just for the record, that's not true. This is supposed to be a temple. And it's supposed to be treated with respect. 
And it's supposed to give respect to other people who are also managing and operating one of God's temples. Can I get an amen from somebody at the 1045, right? And so Jude comes against it and says, that's not true. That's not true. So many false teachers in the world. I mean, you just look around our culture and you will see people saying, that money and sex and relationships and power and lack of restraint and overthrowing authority, all of those things will fill the hole in your soul. Some false teachers will say that they'll just kind of deny Jesus entirely. Other false teachers will just try to add Jesus to something. If you ever want to know whether or not you're listening to a true teacher of the word of God, just listen for this simple fact. If they try to add anything to Jesus as a means of salvation, it's false simple as that. Jude throws out admonitions to discerning believers. I mean, let me, give you the whole, let me give you the whole book in just a couple of seconds. He says, contend for the faith. Stand up for an answer. Don't settle for false teaching. Know what the Word of God actually says. Like, actually make the Word of God your own. Don't be a podcast parrot. Don't be able to, to quote your favorite preacher. Instead, be able to actually articulate what the Word of God has spoken into your life. Build yourself up in the holy faith. Pray in the Spirit. Keep yourself in God's love. Be merciful to people who doubt. Snatch others from the fire of unbelief and show mercy. The whole book just all wrapped up in a couple sentences. And then when Jude can't hold it in anymore, this is what pops out of him. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, some of your translations say falling, and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore, and all God's people said. Amen. Okay, so because God is the origin of all Scripture, I believe God is actually teaching us about Himself in these words that He inspired and intended, superintended for Jude to actually write down. So let's just break it down. Let's just tear apart a doxology and make it our own, okay? It starts with this. God is Him. Okay, I know it's bad English. To all the English majors in the room, I get it. Just work with me, okay? God is Him. The Bible actually names him. In this verse, him is not a guy. It's not a fallible, messed up human being. Him is not one of us. Him is not a nebulous, debatable, higher power. No, him is God. Him is Jesus. Him is Father. Him is Holy Spirit. One in three, three in one. I know it's confusing, but if you've got a God that you can explain, he's not much of a God. Just saying, okay? So God is him. Jude just actually says it. That's him. Secondly, God is able. I know this is elementary, but it's just so good to be reminded. God is able to do anything. That's why he actually is God. God was able to create the universe. God was able to create humankind. God was able to create a relational framework between God and humankind. God was able to allow man to make his own stupid choices. And then God was able to build a bridge over the chasm of indifference and sin that man had actually created for himself. God was able to pursue making uh, that bridge with love. God was able to send Jesus to pay a debt for my sin. God was able to draw me out of my own sin, purchase salvation through his sacrifice. God was able, when he sent Jesus to the cross to defeat death once and for all, that's what Jesus did by accomplishing that on the cross. God was able to accomplish all of that. And what that means is God is able to overcome the world. God is able to overcome my sin and my default and everything that I do wrong. God is able to heal my disease. He's able to heal my broken past. God is actually able to make a wrong right. He's able to intervene. He's able. And you already sang it this morning. 
Just so you know, I'm just getting started, all right? Lifted up, he defeated the grave, raised to life. My God is able. Then it gets messy. It says, God is able to keep you from stumbling. And this is where people get all weird about this doxology, okay? I want to remind you, in the context of this, Jude is talking about people who are stumbling or falling into false teaching, teaching that doesn't line up with what God says is true. Okay, that's the context, but people read that and say, God said I would never fall. It's not his promise. He says God is able to keep you from falling into bad teaching if you're willing to take responsibility and actually know what the good teaching is. So people get all messed up. It's just like, well, this looks like it kind of says God to keep me from falling, but I fell, therefore, maybe God tripped me. Some of it just look at this and we just go, he's going to keep us from falling. It's just good news if you're a clumsy person, right? I think it's deeper than that, all right? Still others believe that because they did fall, that God broke his promise, therefore he's a liar and he's not to be trusted. Which takes us back to why we started this whole series in the first place. We're going to let God speak for himself. So let's learn this together, okay? Okay, newsflash. I can fall into sin all on my own. (laughs) I don't need anybody to help me. God doesn't trip us into sin. God is not complicit with sin. He's absolutely perfect. He wants to save us from sin. But I can find my way head over heels into sin all by myself. The way he saves us from sin is through Jesus. The way he protects us from sin is through the power of his word, which reveals to us the truth of our sinful condition and how obedience to God actually keeps us away from sin. So he delivers and protects at the same time. I mean, I look back on my life and I notice something. I have stumbled many, many, many times. And every single time I stumbled and fell, it was my own selfishness, arrogance, pride and stupidity that took me there. Can I get an amen of agreement at all? I mean, it's just, that's the way it works, right? I can fall into temptation. The Bible says that's actually common for all of us. No temptation is common to man. Every one of us can fall into temptation, but the scripture also said it's God that gives us a way out of that temptation should we choose to obey him. So God's not tripping you. God's not trying to bait and switch you. This verse says that it's through Jesus and Jesus alone that God has given us everything we need to stand up and not fall when we are obedient. You don't know about you guys, but I have found that sometimes God will actually allow me to fall if I need to learn the lesson again that this is not about me and that it's all about Him. Maybe you're there with me today too. God is able to keep you from stumbling. But if we trip ourselves, that's where personal responsibility kicks in. Let's keep going. God is able to present you before his glorious presence without fault. Okay, let's do an experiment. This is not going to be fun. Brace yourself for it and just trust me for a second. I want you to go back into your mind and begin to assemble a list in your head. Assemble a pile of every sin you've ever committed. Aren't you glad you came to church? That's just awesome, isn't it? All right, okay. Like, just start, just start throwing them in a pile, all of it, from when you were small until 41 minutes ago and you cussed out the person driving into the parking lot because we were going the wrong way, not following the arrows, all right? Just start, just start layering it out there. 
just put it out in front. Every sin you've ever committed, keep going. I mean, don't stop. Just look at all of the yuck, all of the garbage, the evil decisions, the sinful reactions, the gossip, the judgment, the reckless words, and then think about what it would take for God to be able to take all of that off of you and restore you to absolute perfection. I don't know about you, but for me, that's a lot of work. Because that's a really big pile. And yet scripture says God is able to present you without fault, without the pile, without the history, without the shame, without the wounds, without the pain. Listen to Ephesians 5.27, and to present her, meaning the church, that's us, to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. That is really good news if you've ever felt dirty or stained or ugly or worthless. I mean, at the end of the book, right after Jude is this other book called Revelation, and at the end of the book of Revelation, there's this beautiful passage because it talks about a bridegroom and a bride coming together in a beautiful wedding, and the Bible makes a really, really big deal about the bride's wardrobe. The Bible says the bride wears white, not because she deserves it, but because that's how the bridegroom chooses to see her. I don't care how jacked up you are. If you know Jesus, he chooses to see you spotless, perfect, brilliant, gorgeous, without a stain, perfection. Now are you glad you came to church? It's how he sees you. And it goes on. God's able to do that, but it also says God is able and God will present you with great joy. I love this part of the verse. Jesus is not going to present any of us faultless before the throne with a bad attitude. He's not going to show up and go, oh, here he comes. Okay, next. Fish book. Wow. This guy took grace to a whole new level, and here he is. Ta da! <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's not the way it's going to be. It's not the way that it is. In fact, the Bible says that when God presents you faultless before the throne, that he actually does it with ecstatic joy, that he's not ashamed or embarrassed. Because it's not about what you did, it's all about what Jesus did for you. And so when he presents you before his father and you're tucked in behind him because it's about his righteousness and not yours, it's not about anything you did, it's about everything he did. When he actually, you know, you're tucked in behind, when he actually steps out of the way and says, Father, look at my best work. I'm going to get letters on this one, I don't care. When Fishbook walks into heaven, tucked in behind Jesus, and Jesus steps out of the way to, to show his best work in Grant's life to his father, I think Jesus is going to go, this is Grant. Ta-freaking-da! Because that took a lot of work to get me to this point, and we're not even close to being done yet. That's my wife, okay? Verse 24. Jeez. To him who's a, I, I've actually had no coffee this morning. Can you believe it? Wow. 
to him who is able to keep you from stumbling or falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior. God is Savior. The ability to save us from sin, the ability to forgive the greatest wrong, able to exchange beauty for ashes. God is able to renovate a human heart and transform an atheist into an apostle. It's the God that you serve. Let's keep going, running out of time. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority. So God is glory, majesty, power, and authority. God is above all things. Nothing can come even close to him. God is majestic, not only in his creation, but in who he is. God is power. God is authority. All of this to say, Jude is just bragging about God here. He's saying God is worthy of glory, full of majesty, complete in power, and perfect in his authority. And he doesn't wield his authority in an act of vengeance. Instead, the Bible says that his wrath is deflected and he chooses love. It's good news. Jude goes on and wraps it up with this, through Jesus Christ our Lord. I mean, I keep coming back to it because the Bible keeps coming back to it. God is Jesus Christ our Lord. God is Jesus. Todd talked about it last week. I talked about it the week before and the week before that and the week before that. We're like a band with one song. That's the thing we keep saying over and over and over again. God is Jesus. One of my favorite verses in Scripture. In the beginning was the Word. The Word there is Logos, and it means Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I had some very well-dressed young people show up on my doorstep a couple weeks back. They said they'd like to talk theology with me. I said, I would love to do that. <laughs> they always visit my house once, and then they don't come back, and I don't know why. I try to be hospitable and everything. I mean, I, it's as simple as that. So can you, do me a, can you do me a favor? I said, I've got this favorite verse in the Bible. Can you just flip it open there? And, it's, and I said, can you read that? Because in my Bible, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it's like, can you read it in your translation? Because your translation says Bible on the front of it, but I'm not sure, because I think they might be different. <laughs> so they read it out loud. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. And I'm like, back up the truck and shut the front door. We're going to have to talk about this, right? <laughs> that single little letter being inserted into there, that changes the whole game. I've spent my adult life studying the original language of that verse, and I can say with absolute authority and confidence, that verse reads, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Not one among many, not one that you can select and, and add to your repertoire, not one that gets slid in with Muhammad and Buddha and everything else. No, 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 no. One God and only one, one in three, three in one. I know it's confusing. Jesus is God. The Father is God. The Holy Spirit is God. But one in essence, one and only one, one with the power to save, one with the ability to be able to bring sinners into a redemptive relationship with Jesus. Just one and only one. And he's the one that said, no one gets to the Father unless you go through me first. So Jude says, 
Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Oh yeah, one more piece. Before all ages, now and forevermore. So God is before. He's now and forevermore. Some of us immediately go, of course he's before. You just talked about the creation thing and and immediately you go to Genesis and you begin to put those pieces together. That's fantastic. Can I come at it from a little bit of a different angle? God is before. Before I knew better. Before I got a clue. Before I came to my senses. Before I figured out that I'm just really not that smart. Before I understood that grace is messy and beautiful. Before I ever realized that Jesus would have done it just for me. Before any of that even entered my brain, God was. Before all that, understanding all that, He saw all that and He didn't give up. God is before, God is now. Right here, in this moment, talking to you. Can I ask you to do me a favor? If I'm ever up here talking and God interrupts me, have that conversation, not this one. Listen to Him every single time. My greatest joy is watching when you guys click out of what we're doing here and start having a conversation all your own talking to Jesus. Be my guest. He's a brilliant conversationalist. God is here with us right now. And then he says, God is forevermore. He was and is and is to come. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's unchanging and unwavering. And as a human being that changes all the time and wavers back and forth, to know that he was, that he is, and that he's waiting for me when I get there, that's unbelievably comforting. So one more time. Now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore, and all God's people said, amen. Wow. It's amazing. It's humbling. It's challenging. It's exciting. And you get to take it with you because you're taking three words this morning, here, now, and us. I'm not sure you can talk about him without asking the question, do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know his heart to protect you? Do you know his desire to wash your sin away? Do you know his joy and his approval? Do you know Jesus? Not, I didn't ask, do you know about Jesus? I'm asking, do you know Jesus? Do you know he was and is and is to come? When he comes, will you know him? Better question, when he comes, will he know you? You know, the truth is some of you got stuck. I watched it happen because I watch your body language. When we started talking about that big, ugly pile of stuff, some of you got stuck there. Because just like me, you got a really, really, really big pile. While you were stuck in that pile, I can tell you what was happening in your heart because I've been there and done that. 
you probably heard a lie that God's grace is big enough to cover everybody else's pile in the room, but not yours, because yours is in a whole other category. You're just a little worse than everybody else inside of the room. Maybe you listen to the voice that says, that's too simple. Just accepting the gift of God's grace, that's too simple. There's got to be something more. You know what I told, remember what I told you at the beginning? It's Jesus plus nothing. Maybe when I was talking about that pile, you got stuck because you started focusing on everything you did wrong instead of focusing on everything that Jesus did right. If Jude was here right now, he would say, I wrote what I wrote because I wanted to show you everything that Jesus did right. Because when Jesus did everything right, it took care of everything you did wrong. So just receive it. It's a gift. It's from him. Do you know him? I wish I could say I knew him earlier. Thought I did, did the Sunday school thing. Knew all the flannel graph stories. I could sing the doxology backwards and forwards because we sang it every single week in the church I grew up in. Do you know him? If you don't, (laughs) you can. Because I believe the reason God brought you to church today is to remind those of you who already know him just how amazing he is and to ask those of you who don't know him to actually come into a relationship with him. It can be scary to enter into a relationship with God, but here's what we've been learning the last six months. We've been learning that God is forgiving, that God's tough, that God's demanding, that, that God is holy, that God is righteous, that that God is real, that God is authentic, that God is powerful. And our prayer for you would be that you wouldn't leave today without knowing Him. I think we should probably talk to God about this. So would you join me as we pray together this morning? Father God, I pray for every brother and sister here who already knows Jesus, and I pray today that they would walk out of here with this thought in the back of their mind, not to him who is able to keep me from stumbling. And someday will present me before his amazing presence without fault and with unbelievable joy. That to him, the one whom Jesus is and that he is the same now and forevermore and, and, and that to him I can give glory and power and majesty authority. God, I pray that those thoughts would be rippling through their mind all day long all week long. Lord, I pray for those who may be here today who don't know you as personal Lord and Savior, and I pray that right now in this moment that they would pray a simple prayer of faith. They would simply say, Jesus, I believe that you are God. I believe you left heaven to come to this earth to die on a cross to buy back my salvation, to set me free. Jesus, I believe that you can forgive my sin, and I ask you to do that right now in this moment. Jesus, I believe 
that you want to give me eternal life. So I receive that as a free gift from you, along with the salvation that you provide through your forgiveness. And Jesus, I give you back my life fully, completely, without holding anything back because I believe that you are able to save my soul and use my life for your purpose. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I know it's a simple prayer and they're just human words, but I believe if you pray a prayer like that, that God saves. I believe that God in that moment removes everything you've ever done wrong and places on your shoulders everything that Jesus ever did right. And that he doesn't look at you as broken. He looks at you as a parent would look at a child. Dearly loved. Worth dying for. An adopted kid of the king. I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird, but if you prayed that prayer, however you prayed it, I hope you made it your own. But if you prayed that prayer and reached to Jesus today and simply acknowledged God is Savior, I'd love to pray for you this week. If you prayed that prayer, would you just slip your hand up? Just stick it up in the air. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you and you and God bless you. God bless you over here. God bless you. God bless you, young man. God bless you both right there on the aisle. Jesus, right now in this moment, as you're transforming lives, would you tell us who you are? Would you whisper, I am. I am loving. I am justice. I am mercy. I am forgiveness. I am hope. I am peace. I am deliverance. I'm assistance. I'm the lifter of your head. I am your righteous judge. I am mercy. I am peace in the midst of chaos. I am your answer. I am your joy. I am your savior. I am God. Lord, we would give you praise for those beautiful truths. And so now, Lord, whether we are minutes old in our relationship with you or hours old or days old or decades old, we ask that the God of this doxology would inhabit the praises of your people because we see all of this as you, the God who was and the God who is and the God who is to come. And all God's people said, amen. So speaking from experience, this is a really big deal when you raise your hand. And I just want to encourage you, may that be your first step and may your second step be a conversation. After the service, a group of very normal people are gonna stand up here across the front and they would love nothing more than to talk to you about Jesus because he did for them what he did for you today. So I'm just going to encourage you, if you raised your hand, instead of just walk in that direction, come this way after the service. If you have any prayer need at all, that's what the prayer team is here for. And we would love nothing more than to be able to pray with you and over you. 
more than anything, we just like to get to know your name. God knows your name. We'd kind of like to figure it out too. Because if you did this today in faith, you just became a part of our family, which means you're stuck with us, okay? And this is a gloriously messy place where people are just trying to figure out him. I've gone over time. I don't care. <laughs> so let me leave you with a doxology. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or even imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in his church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever 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 and ever. Amen. God bless you.